You've probably heard it all before, but this time, let Dr. Lanker connect the dots in a way that makes the Christian faith come alive. When we hear that uh, God has not only freed us from our sin by his grace, but he's transforming us by his grace as well, it leads us to a natural question and one that Paul needed to answer for his readers, and that's where he goes in chapters 9 to 11. It's the question of, can God really change anyone? And if so, how does he do this? And and who does he work with in this process? He starts off in chapter 9 by saying that he, he worked with Isaac, he worked with Jacob. For the Jews, they should remember that these are both secondborns. The, these are not the firstborns that receive all authority, that receive all privilege, that receive everything from their father. And by them being secondborns, they're not the ones who should have been chosen to have the blessing of God's goodness pass through them. And so the first thing that Paul wants to remind his listeners is that when God does his good work of mercy, he does it for the rejects. That's why it's so important for us to be able to accept our sin and our brokenness. Because when we can accept that we're not perfect, when we're not right, when we're not what we wish we could be and what we think we should be, that that's where his grace reaches. That's where his grace touches. Not only is his grace for the the least of these, there's also nobody so important that they have to be shown God's mercy. For us, we would look at the Pharaoh because we've seen the stories and heard it. Like that's the guy you get rid of. He's His heart's hardened to God and and so he, plus he's, he's a pagan, he's a Gentile. Well, in the ancient world, this is the sun God. This is Ra Emsis. This is, this is the guy who is, is the representation of the gods. If anybody receives blessing, it's him. In our world, it might be a pastor or it might be a professor or a great parent. These are the people that we say, you know what, God has to bless them. And, and Paul says, no, he doesn't. No, this is his choice. Nobody's cut out because of the position they find themselves in, nor is anybody assured in because of the position they find themselves in. In fact, if they stand against God, he can easily work around them and work around their hardness to be able to accomplish his greatest works. And he's kind of talking in between the lines to the Israelites here, to the Jews and saying, hey, if you stand up against Jesus coming as God's Messiah, it doesn't mean anything. God has and will work around you still to be able to do the good work that he wants to do. When we hear that, though, that God chooses some and doesn't choose others, there's a part of our population that just goes, that is the wrong thing. You cannot choose some and choose others. Why? He's God. He can do whatever he wants to do. And we say, well, that's not fair. Life isn't fair, nor is God, but he is just. And his justice says, you know what? I look at all of you and all of you are condemned because of your rebellion against me. You all deserve rightfully with no crying about it to spend an eternity away from me. But yet because of my mercy, 
I have offered my son in your place to be able to save you from your sins. And just because I choose to pour out my mercy on you, but not you, does not make me unjust. It does raise questions as to why and how exactly that is happening. And Paul wants to unpack that a little bit further. So in chapter 10, he says, but anybody, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth, he confesses resulting in salvation. At the same moment, Paul says, hey, God chooses who he chooses is in his next breath. He says, but whoever chooses to call upon the name of the Lord, that's the person who's saved. And this is what has led to years, 2000 years of debate back and forth. Are we saved because of God's choice? Or are we saved because of our choice? Yes, it's a both and. And how that balances in that process is something that we've had to wrestle through and that we'll continue to have to wrestle through. We're not going to be able to answer this in a short little snippet here. Um, But we do know this. We do know that there is nobody so down on the pole that God can't show them mercy. And there's nobody so up on the pole that they can't be worked around and not shown mercy in the process. But God's will His purposes, his gifts, and his calling, Paul's going to say in chapter 11, they're irrevocable. He is going to do his good work when and how he wants to do it. And we have to rely on that. When we sit there and we try to figure out, okay, so am I saved? Am I not? Have I been chosen? Have I not been chosen? Or do I just need to call out in this moment? We don't know the objective reality of our salvation. All we can know is the subjective experience of it. And that subjective experience says, God, I'm a sinner in need of your mercy. Please show me goodness and grace in this moment. And the people that he wants to show it to the most that Paul's highlighting here are the people that it should actually thrill our hearts that these are the people he wants to show his mercy to. They're people like you and me. Um, they're, they're not the people who just did drugs for 20 years, not that they're excluded from God's mercy, but they're the people like the Jews who grew up in the church, who they have been doing all of these good things their whole lives. And they just say, yeah, yeah, maybe I've messed up, but if I just follow the law and do a little bit more next week, then I will have a right standing with God that he'll answer my prayers and life will go good. And, and we're in the same place where we have determined that God's grace and mercy is only given to those who do work. And he's destroyed that in the first part of his letter. It's only by faith in Jesus. I remember getting into my mid twenties and have having received God's gift of mercy to, to forgive me for my sins and to, and to begin to transform me. And as I began to find that new life in him, I began to make all these new rules either for myself or take them from other people. And I began to look at myself and go, man, I, if there's a good Christian, you guys can come look at me right here. I'm the one who has it all together. And, and I ended up reaching a place and, and marriage will do this 
where, where it just showed me just how messed up I was, how selfish I was, how, how prideful I was. It just so many things that were in the brokenness of my heart. And I wanted to blame my wife or I wanted to blame the situation or I wanted to blame like, okay, well, I just didn't do what I needed to do in that moment. And what was at the, what was missing in there was where Paul ended in chapter eight. There was no spirit. I I wasn't asking him to show me how to respond well to my wife in the moment. I, I wasn't asking him to guide me and help me to say, I'm sorry. I wasn't looking to him for my life in the everyday. And those are the people, those are the hardest of people to really receive God's grace and his mercy because they have come up with all of the good religious rules to live their lives by. And as they do that, they're no longer living a life with Jesus. They're living a life based on law. And that is death. And Paul's going to highlight that in the book of Romans, and he's going to highlight that through the rest of his letters. There is no place ever in any of our lives where we do not need God's grace, his undeserved gift and blessing in the moment of our need. And if we turn to God in grace, our lives are going to look different. How different they're going to look and what exactly is going to go on, that's something that Paul knows we need a little bit more specifics on. And that's where he's going to turn to in our next section. So if you have questions about how do we really live this life of grace that not only forgives us, but transforms us in practical ways in our everyday life, We'll turn to that in our next section.